0: Hi and welcome to the podcast you're having tea with Alice. This week's episode is with James Fosdyke who's an animator and an illustrator and the visual aesthetic sense of a lot of Australian podcasting, at least their title images. So I had a great chat with him. He's a very interesting person and we talked about some Fun things and then some heavy things and that's what I like to do with this podcast. I am just back from Adelaide. I had three weeks in Adelaide and before that three weeks in Perth. I am a broken man. Tonight I head to Canberra and then Perth for a week and then Melbourne for a month. I'll be doing Savage, my new show, Savage, at 8.30 at the Swanston Hotel. Please send people. I don't know if it will be as good as I want it to be but I think it will be okay. I think it will be a good show. I don't think it can be as good as I want it to be because I am ambitious and lazy, which is a nasty combination. <laughs> no, not lazy. I don't know. Uh, something. I'm something. Ambitious and stymied by my own fear of failure, perhaps. Um, the, the word of the week. Interesting word fact of the week. In tribute to Helen Zaltzman and her illusionist podcast. The Allusionist. Go look it up. She's great. Uh, Or look up the episode that we did together in tribute to her. This word fact is about what happens when you say the same word too many times. So you know if you say tree 30 times, tree, 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 it loses meaning and just becomes kind of froth in your mouth. There's a term for that and that term is semantic satiation. Semantic satiation is what happens when you've had too much of one word, you're full of that word, you're going to spew. You're gonna spew the word tree, and it will be green. Thanks for listening to the podcast. Email me on alice r fraser at gmail. Tweet me on at alliterative um, man. You're wonderful. I'm exhausted. Let's talk next week. You're having tea with Alice. No.
1: Like, yeah. if all you want is to hand
0: out flyers, you can do that. That's yeah. cool. Yeah,
1: and it just doesn't really achieve that much. A fun I think. party. Yeah, and it's the same thing about sort of, you know, you might get, you know, my line of work or whatever, you might get people, you know, thousands of people seeing an image that you've done that's on sale, but you'll get ten sales, you know, like... The, the amount of people directed towards that just from a, a link click or or something like that doesn't translate into sales by any means you know
0: how do you publicize your stuff <coughs> is not word of mouth very much
1: it's it's more word of mouth these days like back in back sort of you know ten years ago or or whatever it was it was much more of a slog like and and sort of working hard on, on getting my name out there. Um, whereas these days, um, yeah, I keep it to word of mouth and I can kind of pick and choose what I do a bit more. What are
0: the channels for getting your name out as an as a animator?
1: Um,
0: what What is it that you call yourself?
1: Uh, I'd say illustrator. Illustrator. Yeah, animator is sort of when you make the pictures move and, and all that kind of stuff. But, um, yeah, it's... I'm just trying to think back from when I had to do it. It was just showing companies that hire would hire you your work and and trying to get your foot in the door that way and and it's the same thing with what I was just talking about. It's just like you might see a hundred people but maybe one or two would would actually sort of look at your stuff and want to talk to you or want to hire you kind of thing. Like um yeah, and I've always been, you know, there was a lot of hard work there, but sort of towards the end, you know, to, to now, I can kind of, I've always been lucky in that what I've been working on has always had some element of fun or enjoyment, you know. Yeah.
0: I like reading. Mm-hmm. Almost to the point where it doesn't matter what I'm reading. Yeah. Like, I'll read anything because yeah. the act of bringing words into my eyes and into my brain I find sort of soothing. Yeah. Uh, and I have to kind of be careful not to just eat trash, as it were. Yeah, yeah. Do you find that with drawing, that it doesn't matter what you're drawing, that you just kind of enjoy the act of it? Or are there some things you enjoy more, or both?
1: I don't know if I enjoy the act of it. I, and it's weird too because of how long I spend on it. It's, it's, it's a matter of distracting myself Throughout the process until the drawing's finished, and that's when I get my satisfaction is from sitting back and looking at the finished piece and saying, "Well, that didn't exist before I drew it." You know what I mean? Like you
0: would hate comedy. Yeah,
1: exactly. Like it's yeah. never finished it never ends. Well, it's the same. It's the same with drawing, but you've got to reach a point where you've got to stop because mm-hmm. you know you might have to start on something else, you know, or or that kind of thing. But um, yeah, it's... And I've been thinking about it lately and it's, and it's just not something that I enjoy that much even though I put so much bloody detail into my work that I'm spending, you know, months and months on a single piece of artwork and I don't really enjoy it. I'm just distracted by podcasts and, and <laughs> things like that while I'm doing it. And
0: What are your favourite podcasts other than the, like, Will and <laughs> Justin...
1: Yeah, I like Will and Hamo stuff. I like um, Green Guard Letters. Have you heard the dollop? Yes, I love the dollop. I really like the dollop. It's so good. Um, My goal
0: is to find Gareth Reynolds and make him my friend in Melbourne. I'm going (laughs) to hunt him down and make him my friend. Nice, nice.
1: Because he's so cool. Mm, mm. He's
0: just
1: such a... Yeah, I don't have much to do with with Gareth, but I have a little bit to do with Dave. Like, Mm. I'm going to be doing some... um, I think, T-shirts and posters for his his live show over in Melbourne.
0: I met Dave briefly at the LA Podfest, but yeah, he was cool. very busy there. Yeah, yeah,
1: he would have um, been flat out. He was one of the organisers or something. Yeah, he? yeah, he organises it. And, yeah. that, I mean,
0: that was a really cool event. That's why I do a podcast, really. Yeah. Because I liked it. I wanted to do one for years, and then I couldn't find a partner to, to do it with who was yeah. reliable. Like, my friend Scott Huntington would have been the one I chose, but he lives in Germany, and we couldn't
1: manage yeah, right. the Skype
0: thing. Yeah, and then I went and got that, like, very brief cameo moment on Mark Maron's podcast.
1: I didn't hear that. Like, I don't listen to that that often anybody. It was his live one in yeah. uh, 20,
0: 2013, I think. Okay. And I thought, okay, so we have a two-minute chat. Yeah. I get a few laughs. I think, how many listeners does he have? Millions? Yeah. If even one in thousand looks me up i should have a podcast yeah by the time they google me
1: right yeah I've, I've thought about it from time to time i think if i had to have a podcast partner it would probably be a guy called adam page who's like a, a sort of multi-instrumentalist kind of guy and he does sort of loop pedaling and, and all that kind of stuff mm. um, but he's yeah he's my best mate and um, he's just very funny and very talented and if I ever have a more solid idea than just let's do a podcast and I think it, it is sort of the reason for most podcasts is you get time to catch up with your friends <laughs> like, yeah. you know and, and um, I think some of the conversations we have are quite amusing but um, I don't I don't think it will ever really happen yeah. <laughs> like, but if I was that's who I'd do it with
0: Well you've completely influenced if not created the aesthetic, the visual aesthetic of podcasts, even if that sounds a bit really? crazy, in Australia particularly. Oh wow. And now you, you seem to be bleeding into the doll. But like when I was thinking, Oh, I need a, an image for my podcast, yeah. I thought, well obviously I need a cartoon.
1: Yeah.
0: I need a picture of my <laughs> like it can't be a photograph because yeah, yeah. the if it's if it's a comedy podcast in Australia it has to be a cartoon of you. Yeah, and that's yeah. that's you having yeah. done that.
1: So, okay. who, did, who did your cartoon?
0: A guy called Satan, who I used to go to university and do improv with. Yeah, and right. he's sort of really into comic books.
1: He's, not, yeah. he's just
0: started becoming a professional, yeah. which suited my budget fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: Well, that's the thing. Like I, I haven't been able to do podcast art you know, for free um, for well, 22 months, which is how old my son is. So, <laughs> it's just sort of like all that spare time that I could have has now gone... And I can only really take commissioned work, so you know I get I get podcasts like up and coming podcasts following me, and I kind of just go, I can't draw anything for you. That's what you're secretly hoping, like, I can't, <laughs> like, because it's. I don't just...
0: even think they're necessarily wanting to get something for you. Mm. Maybe they're just starstruck. Mm.
1: <coughs> <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right. There's yeah.
0: people in the world that only know what Will Anderson looks like from the pictures of the door I'm sure, <laughs> I'm sure of this, it has to be the case.
1: Yeah, well, well... Even if
0: they don't, even if they've seen him in other places, that's the dominant image that you Yeah,
1: have. I, I'm very lucky. It's like you if know, you I'm watch, watch the
0: movie before you read the book, you yeah, yeah. you're always shaped by...
1: Yeah, yeah, I just, I just think that, you know, that, that clicked at a perfect time with Will, um you know he must have been looking for something a bit more than just a poster and and at the time I was doing the podcast art and he we've sort of found each other you know and and he's someone that um what I what I love most about how we work together is that he has complete faith in me mm-hmm. so he will just say this is what the show's called basically um Make it so, yeah, thought. and and I just you know I keep him informed about what I'm doing, but for him to do shows on such a large scale and to put such a huge responsibility onto me, like showing so much faith in me, is just it works in such a way that um, you know I'm not gonna sit there and go oh, I can do whatever I want. I'm gonna sit there and go oh, I'm gonna do the best thing I can possibly do. You know because he's put that much faith in me. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, it's just wonderful. Like, I, I was thinking about it the other day and I, I, don't, I don't really think I've, I've, never, I've, I've ever seen a comedian and an artist work together so often. Like, because, you know, not a month goes by that I'm not drawing something for him, either for his podcast or for his shows or, or whatever, you know. Like, it's just a constant level of working with him and I just really enjoy it. And,
0: and that's a big deal. Like, that's yeah. him saying to you... <laughs> I trust you with my image. And that sounds stupid, but it's his image that's what he sells. That is, you know, a significant proportion of what he sells of himself. Yeah. And how he puts himself into the world is his public image. And and you're drawing the lines on (laughs) it. You know, that's (laughs) amazing. I know. That's really cool.
1: Yeah. I mean,
0: mean, your images that you do are amazing. Thank you. Uh, I enjoy them, but... Yeah, that's really interesting.
1: Yeah, for because, for, for, you know, other comedians might have a very specific idea in mind and I, and I don't mind when that's the case. But to me, it shows real faith in, the, in when they get you to just say, you know, this is the show, this is what I want, you know, in terms of feeling or, or maybe giving me some details about what the show's about and really? then letting me just come up with my own idea.
0: If you're drawing for a podcast, mm-hmm. is that the podcast you listen to while you're drawing it? Yep. Really?
1: Yeah. So back in the day, like, it's I... like there's
0: crazy conceptual artists that like play classical music and then do like one <laughs>
1: red dot. It's like. <laughs> no. It, um, well, what I would do when I was doing it, because I wouldn't say that I do too much of it these days, but um, I would make sure that there was enough episodes to listen to while I was drawing it, so, you know, it was only four episodes long, I wouldn't be able to draw it, so, you know. It's just a
0: cartoon stick figure at that point. (laughs) Yeah,
1: same with Steel, with the Green Guard letters, like, I had this idea in mind, but I knew that it was going to take quite a long time to draw, Yeah. so I had to wait until he was sort of 30 or 40 episodes in before I could sort of think about actually starting it, and sort of, I created it in a way, I don't know if you've seen it, but it's his cat reading the Green Guard, and he's on the cover of the Green Guard. And then on the back, all the ads are just references from the show, kind of thing. And so I left it sort of clear so I could sort of uh, listen to the show while I was drawing the main part. And mm-hmm. then, you know, I'd, I'd find a, I'd, you know, laugh at a joke or something and then just write down a reference on a pad of paper and, and just have that on the side to make all these little ads. On, on the back. Yeah. And Steele told me he when he saw it, uh, yeah, he was in, in the States or something and he saw it. And it's just oh, sort of like that's that's so it's, it's, I don't know if it's the result I want, but it's a lovely thing to to hear, you know. Like
0: Steele is a lovely man. Yeah, yeah. He's a really nice guy.
1: Yeah, he um, yeah, he was with us last week, and and it was good, you know. He was. I mean, in the nice guy so. in the
0: genuine, real yes. sense, not in the Australian yes. euphemism for not yeah. a very good comedian sense. Yeah. I mean, it in the like. He's actually a nice yeah. person. <laughs>
1: no, I know, I know what you mean. <laughs> um, yeah, he's really nice. Um, mm.
0: In my last week, uh, mm. I think I've done... It, I think it's last week, my, um, I have started to do a, an interesting word fact. Yeah. Just as a, as a little thing. Um, and the last week's one was the real meaning of nice it used to be like simple or kind of stupid.
1: I heard that, yeah. Was that with Lindsay? Yeah, that was yeah, with yeah. Lindsay. Yeah. Um,
0: now, ever since then, every time I call something nice, I think, oh...
1: Uh-huh. Yeah, I don't, I don't, you know, I'm not in the comedy world that much, so I don't really talk in those terms. When I say nice, I mean nice, mm. you know, um, and yeah. You know, a I, nice
0: spade and a nice spade. Yes,
1: and I, I came over to Melbourne, I think it was last year, for about a week or so, um, and still got me on Grand Guide and stuff, and and basically, you know. I think his 100th show was coming up so you know we did we got posters printed of my artwork to sell at the shows and stuff and cool. he made me sign every single one so we were catching up i think we caught up four or five times during that week just with steel. just to sign um, things just to sign things which felt weird because i very rarely uh sign things and
0: uh now you know what it feels like to be neil gaiman
1: yeah he yeah. just signs
0: things all like. Didn't he get RSI in his hand? Did Doesn't he? he have to like ice his hand? Because he, he and um, Amanda Palmer, who's his wife, yep, yep. I think he she has influenced him, or they've reciprocally influenced one another to have this real sense of duty towards the fans, a kind of a noblesse oblige, kind of really old fashioned sense that they owe the people who support them yeah. anything that those people ask, you know, give or take. Yeah. You know, Crotch grabbing. Um, yeah. But so he'll like go into bookshops and secretly sign books. Oh, really! Just if he sees his own book in a bookshop, he'll go and sign it, and yeah. and then they do these like nine hour epic signing sessions, and then they do all of these other kind of side gigs that are oh. just fan service.
1: Oh, right.
0: It's a really interesting and appealing sort of approach. Yeah. Because I think there's far too many people who live off fans.
1: Yeah.
0: Who don't really respect them. Yeah, It's like yeah. The kind of the classic self-loathing guy, what they call, you know, uh, emotionally unavailable men mm-hmm. who are like, oh, no, I'm no good, you don't want me. And then if the woman still wants him, he respects her less. <laughs> I think that's yeah. like some artists are like that. They're like, you okay. like me?
1: Ugh, oh, gross, what's wrong with you? Uh, I, I sort of understand that feeling, but it's... <laughs> Because I get... Yeah, some people that do act a bit... You know, the Green Guard was really weird because the latest... Like, well, the episode before the latest one, you know, we went there and, and still mentioned my name and the crowd went into a big cheer, like... And it was just bizarre. Like, I really enjoyed it. But it yeah, was... You <laughs> but it was, like... I don't get it. Like, I don't... And it's not... And it's not the... I do appreciate it and, and stuff like that, but it's just sort of... It just feels weird because you're, you're alone in your studio for this whole time, and you might get a few people retweeting you or liking your comments, but you just... Yeah, to have something like that.
0: But that's exactly the thing. People mm. coming to see the Green Guide letters may have never seen Steel Saunders' face in real life before, and all they've ever seen of him is your drawings. drawings. <laughs> so it's like your... I don't know... You're the window. Yeah. And they've
1: got, you know, if they've got any kind of self-awareness. Well, it's a, you know, and I think it's a nice uh, sign of, uh, you know, it's, it's worked up, my artwork's worked itself up into giving comedians a nice sense of, of professionalism with their posters that they can give the job to me and know it's going to look a certain way and, and catch the eye and, and make people want to look at it. Well, the you thing,
0: know. I mean... Not to blow smoke up your ass, because that sounds like a horrible thing to do. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, the good thing about your posters is that they're very clear and striking in the initial thing, which is what you want. You want, yeah. like, almost... You just want to blam, kind you gotta of... You've got to grab their attention. Yeah. Grab your attention. Yeah. But then you've also got multiple layers and these kind of little in-jokes, mm. and, and and you can keep looking at the image and keep getting more out of it. So it's yeah. not...
1: And especially like especially with want. Wills, because he pays me enough that I can actually go into more and, in detail more and more and more. Yeah, yeah. No, but it's,
0: it's like what you want a good joke to do, is you get the laugh, you get the he, impact, yeah. but you also then draw things out of it for days and weeks afterwards, where mm. you're like, oh yeah, that was a really
1: yeah. good show, or
0: a good joke. or
1: yeah.
0: It's a good thing to do for comedians,
1: Yeah, I think. Well, like me, I, I kind of go to a comedy show and, and laugh myself stupid, and then sort of try and tell someone the next day and have nothing... You know, I think the only routine I ever remembered correctly was something about Lawrence Mooney shaving his own ballsack or something like that. <laughs> no, it's not anything you want to remember. <laughs> I That's remembered not it. You want I to remember. it well enough to tell Amy uh, when I got when I got home, and you know I was quite proud of myself because I'm I'm usually, you know, it it goes in but it it doesn't really stay there as long as I'd like like it to. I think for me especially know right now and um uh that comedy is a real uh just release from from the day-to-day pressures of of living basically Mm. you know it's it's um it's a it's a great distraction yeah and it's just really good to have a really good laugh you know it it feels really good to do yeah Mm.
0: so do you have a difficult idea that you'd like to talk about
1: I was saying too earlier, like, um, because of, of what I'm going through at the moment, I, and I don't feel that... Uh, I feel a bit weird about, you know, talking about it, but... You can keep actually, it anonymous, should, if you like. Anonymous. Um, my wife, who should rename, <laughs> remain, <laughs> remain la- nameless, uh, yeah, she's been going through a really hard time with, with mental illness and um, with depression and anxiety. Um, uh, and it's been sort of so hard... Uh, lately, that she's had to be hospitalised, um, and there's basically one one good place in town to go. Um, Adelaide not
0: known for its mental health facilities. I'm not so. sure if
1: the country is, you know, like because. Uh,
0: we are a lot better than a
1: lot of places. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. But you're th- talking Melbourne or or.
0: No, I'm. T- I, I live in Sydney. I'm, I, I had my mum was one of the. Things that happened with her sickness was it started to have mental things, yep. and there were various points at which she was hospitalized or in various various hospitalizations. Yeah. So, what we would ideally do was get her into a normal hospital,
1: yeah.
0: uh, either kind of the dementia ward or something like that, where yeah. it's a little bit more medical. Because if yeah. you go in, if you're sectioned, and you go into the real mental yeah. health system that's really intense and they're really upsetting and they're horrible places, full of crazy people. Yeah. You know? And and, and they're not all crazy in... in
1: Different ways. ...harmless ways.
0: Uh, And they're not all your mum. Yeah. So you can't deal with all of them.
1: Yeah. Well, we... As I was was telling you, like, we were... She had to go to a place. There was no real choice. And and the place that she went to was horrible. Like... Mm. Basically, I felt like I had depression when I left like it it was it was dirty mm. it was um, it it was just dreary, like really like the walls like the whole place is in disrepair. the pla the table I sat at had crumbs there and and you know Amy said they were there from the day before kind of thing and and she wasn't allowed in her room from breakfast until dinner. And so she had to be out with these creepy people. like, And, and that sounds wrong because, you know, everyone's got their struggles, but there were some really, you know, I remember being there and there was just one lady rocking back and forth just going, scissors, scissors, scissors. And then there was another guy that just looked at me like he wanted to tear my face off. And then, um, yeah, creepy guy waiting outside the bathroom for her to, to come out after she showered. And it's just sort of like, I don't feel like she's safe in there. No. You know, and, and No and
0: and I mean that's just the patience, yeah. right? Yeah. And that's
1: that's the only thing that's available for her right now. And so it's it's you know, while she's on the waiting list for this the really decent ups- place. The
0: really upsetting thing is that there are not many countries where it's any better. Yeah. And
1: it's But I it needs it, to be. It, it needs it's to like be we've got this we've got this better understanding of it these days with with um, Talking about it, and, that, and that's the reason I want to talk about it, is because to talk about it makes it easily, like, more easy to understand for people, you know, that, that don't really understand about a lot about mental illness. Um, and... Yeah,
0: I've been talking about mum's death for a similar reason. Yeah. Because I didn't, because I have a friend who, <laughs> this is a really weird, good thing it's a podcast so I can explain properly, but... Yeah, yeah. My, f- When I found out mum was dying, I contacted my friend Therese who is in Beirut at the moment. I think she was in Yemen then. I sent her a message and I said, can you Skype with me soon? Yep. Mm-hmm. I, we need to talk. Because I was just overwhelmed. It was very late at night. Yeah. And my dad had told me in kind of the worst possible way, uh, trying to cushion the impact. Saying oh. this is how it is. Uh, this is how big it is. This is how it's grown. It's not good. No. They say she has a couple of months at most. Oh. And I was like, I needed you to start the sentence with that. Oh. But he was just trying to, I think, say it himself or come to terms with himself. Yeah, yeah. And so it was really late at night. I, I, I thought, who's awake, Therese? I'll. It, oh, and then she said So I said can we talk She said do you want to talk about this And send me her ultrasound photo And I was oh. like yes <laughs> <laughs> That is what I want to talk about Because oh. happiness trumps sadness right
1: It's got to I think but she in, was, in a way like I think it's important Both of them are important, but I'd rather be happy than sad. Happiness
0: is more fragile, I feel. You can always bring someone down. Yeah. And that's one of the hardest things about mental illness, Mm. especially if you're close to someone, is that they can drag you down without meaning to. Mm. You can't can't drag them up. It is impossible to drag them up by force of will or your good mood, but they can drag you down
1: yeah I guess I guess I, I'd gravity. Try.
0: you can try
1: yeah and I, and I think I've sort of reached a point I remember going back from the doctors one day after talking to her and, and basically I've told her everything that the doctor said mm. before the doctor said it and it was just like oh i've got a and she's like why are you so happy and I'm like because I said what the doctor said i've got 've got enough of an understanding of what's going on yeah to to be able to help you with this like as much as I can and that may feel really happy that you know i wasn't so lost as I was in the past yeah, um, yeah. and and yeah, that's what I was saying it's just like I wish I wish there was you know with the understanding that we've got of it and and that kind of stuff, I wish that translated into better treatment you know like
0: well, so this is the thing with Therese is that she told me everything about her pregnancy really? and she has been telling me. I think she's due in about two weeks. Yep. Amazing stuff that yep. I've never heard mm-hmm. from anyone. Like just weird things. And she's always been like that. She's always super. She's my like sexual health guru. She's the one right. who's like, you have to try this and hands you a Nuva ring or like a, you know, she's What's a Nuva ring. It's a it's a hormonal uh, plastic hormonal ring and you put it in. And you keep it there for three weeks. It's like, an, it's like a site-specific hormone. So if you react badly to hormones, it's a lower dose. Yeah, right. Uh, it's up near your cervix. and uh, Then you take it out and you bleed for a week and you put it back in. And It means if you're bad at remembering the pill or if you have reflux or throw up a lot. And is that what they um, give
1: you after, your, like, after you've had a baby? Because I think they might have had something like that.
0: You can have an IUD. That's the other thing. The that inter- that's where they put a little implant in your womb. That often happens if you don't want to have kids after you've had a kid. Tired. Anyway, so, yeah. so all of these things that I know are from her. She just is that kind of font of information. And, yep, and yep. she's been a font of information about pregnancy. Mm-hmm. And this is why this is a very long-winded analogy to draw. But this is, it made me feel like that about death as well. Yep. You don't talk about it. Or if you do, you talk in cliches and vaguenesses. Yeah. Nobody told me, for example, if you cry a lot, you get pimples.
1: Really? Yeah. Oh, wow.
0: That's a thing. Yeah. Do small things like that, or you vague out, or it takes a lot of energy to do things that it wouldn't normally.
1: Yeah.
0: Because everyone speaks in vagueness as, oh, everything's normal, it's okay, everyone's understanding and vague. Hmm. You don't get these things of, like, sometimes you will completely overreact yep. to a minor insult. Mm-hmm. And sometimes something devastating will happen and you'll just... Brush Take it, it in your stride yeah, yeah. because it's not as bad as. Yeah. The other thing, nobody tells you that if you've had someone with chronic illness and they die, you're quite relaxed.
1: There would be a level of relief, I'd imagine. Not relief. Not, not relief. Just
0: relaxation. Right. Because the thing that you were worrying about since you were eleven isn't a worry anymore.
1: Yeah.
0: It's just a gap. And occasionally still you get surges of anxiety that you don't know what to do with because you always knew what your anxiety was about before. And now you're mm. like, am I just anxious or is this a, just an echo? Yeah. Am I an anxious p- person that always had a hook yep. to put my anxiety on? Oh, that's what I'm anxious about. If I feel anxious, it must be about that. Right. Or was it about that and I'm just getting weird? Yeah. Like nobody talks about that stuff.
1: No, and I, and I do think that... And I
0: think you know, the same with mental health.
1: Yeah, the more you talk about things that... Uh, people might find uncomfortable, the, the, the easier they become to, to discuss and, and to, you know, e- like understand in an, in an open manner because, you know, we've all got these problems and, and, and because you don't talk about them, people don't think that everyone else has them, you know, but they're, they're so common.
0: You should listen to the Mental Illness Happy Hour with Paul Gilmore. I only
1: do it when I'm sad. <laughs> <laughs> I only listen when Amy's in a really bad place or, or something like that. Because if I listen to that too much, then I become down. Really sad. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Because it's sort of like, oh, everything is fucked. And, uh, but, yeah, that, that's one of the podcasts I kind of listen to if I'm in a certain mood. A mood-specific
0: yeah. podcast. Yeah. I, I do think the more specific you are about your experience, and maybe this is the comedy thing, The more universal it is because people go people have a point and then they say I differ in this way and I'm similar in that way and it's just oh I'm sad Mm. everyone's sort of sad but no one really gets it no what that is what what it is to be sad
1: yeah or the levels of sadness you know yeah yeah I can I can have a day where I'm just like oh fuck this or whatever but it's it's nothing compared to what my wife's going through or anything like that, you know, like... Yeah, and that sadness
0: manifests... Like, when you're really sad, beyond sad,
1: Mm -hmm.
0: it's like you've got your buckets of different emotions and the sadness starts to manifest as other things. Yep. Like, anger. Mm -hmm. Like, why am I angry? Oh, it's because I'm sad. Why am I tired? Oh, it's because I'm sad. Yeah. Why am I suddenly having a crush on that person? Oh, it's Mm -hmm. because I'm sad and I want... (laughs) You know, like, that -hmm. just... Nobody tells you that. They yeah. think just you're sad. Well, mm. oh, how bad can sadness be? Yeah. yeah. It can get pretty
1: bad. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, but um, I yeah, I just I just think that it, and we've sort of done that in the last sort of year I think, is is become a lot more open about it and and I think this is another level of, of sort of discussing it in a way that that will bring some kind of understanding. So if anyone out there you know, that follows me on Twitter and doesn't see me tweet for a while, I'm probably going through some bad shit. Yeah, tweet, um, tweet James Foster.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, it's going to be okay. Yeah, but, um, no, it's all good, you know.
0: It's nice when it's nice when people reach out and send emails and stuff. Yeah,
1: well, last year was, was really rough, like, um, you know, really good work-wise, like, I was getting some great jobs, I'm still getting great jobs and stuff, but... Um yeah basically last year I found out my dad had prostate cancer and and also my wife's depression got as as bad as it's ever gotten um and sort of dealing with those things at the same time uh, was brutal you know i've never I've never really i you know you think sort of offhandly about your parents and all that um, but it's just sort of like, yeah, that was the first time I had to face the The thing of dad's not indestructible and 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 stuff like that and and seeing just what he he had to go through in that year um you know it's it's at a level now where it's manageable and and stuff and he's going all right with it but it it, it had some uh there were some very dark dark points there where where uh yeah it was it was really hard you know mm.
0: are your parents still together
1: yeah yeah um, they've both just retired and they're going to move to Hobart. They live in the country in South Australia, and so why Hobart? Um, I think Mum's got some family over there and, and stuff, and I think it's just a
0: uh, it's a good place to do fuck all.
1: Yeah, I think that's what they want to do. Yeah, because you know? Dad Dad uh, ran a menswear store for about thirty or forty years, and that's uh, why you're so well dressed. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the are from joke. his shop. Yeah, um, but um. Yeah, and he worked incredibly hard at that. And that was, you know, something where I saw the stress levels that he got to in his job and was like, Well, I never want to work nine to five and there I am working bloody eight until ten and ten at night kind of thing. But I'm doing it in my backyard and I can go see my son, you know, whenever I want, kind of thing. So it's sort of I, I still work as hard. But, but you're working for yourself. Yeah, on my own terms. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's
0: kind of what my show is about a little bit. Um, just that kind of how much of a difference it makes to own yourself.
1: Yeah, yeah, and uh, and that's something I always kind of wanted to do was was not to work for someone specifically, just to be able to kind of freelance mm. and and to to. To get to a stage where I can kind of pick and choose, yeah.
0: A couple of things. As an animated, is there like a retirement age, or do you just go until you stop?
1: I want to go until I stop, but I'm. And I'm is there starting... a fear there?
0: Is there fear as a freelancer? Because there certainly is as a comedian that it's... you'll just dry up one day.
1: No, it's it's weird because I know that the ideas. I did I did have fears in the in the past about going. Holy shit! I might run out of ideas, but. It's just a wheel that keeps turning and you're always going to have new ideas about stuff. Like that's just something I've always gone, well, that's always going to work. Um, hopefully, if my brain doesn't break down in some way. But um, the work might dry up. But lines. the work itself, that was something I dealt with in the past. Um, and it never really did. Like if I had two weeks, I'd be like, ripper! I get to draw whatever I want or that kind of thing and I'd view it like that and sometimes you know back um you know in the early 2000s uh I was I was kind of drawing more for myself than I ever had before and, and my wife was kind of you know she was my girlfriend at that time but she was supporting us and paying the rent um and I just made sure How that was I, that
0: ever a point of tension or
1: no no it wasn't like and that's just the great thing about her was was that she was just like you know she could tell that that I had a strong self-belief and that I had the skills to do what I wanted to do Mm -hmm. and it was just a matter of slugging it out until I got to a point that I could support us you know and, and I'm at that point now and and you know she doesn't have to work, and and she kind of can't. Is
0: good because at the moment she's sick, yeah. Yeah,
1: yeah, um, and so, yeah, I'm I'm sort of sitting back, going bloody hell, we've we've got a mortgage now, and we live in a lovely house, and we've got a kid, and I'm paying for it. Like, you know, uh, it's it's a really good feeling, and I like to sort of sit back and and sort of think about that from time to time, and, and just. I think
0: you should, I think everyone who's in that position should schedule in a time every week just to yeah. think about how fucking lucky they are. Yeah,
1: yeah. And <laughs> yes. and it's um and it's something that's hard to do with with someone with severe severe depression is to is to say, you know, look at our our house, you know, or, or that kind of thing and, and that's that's akin to, you know, someone saying just snap out of it or, or that kind of thing. But um yeah, I'm able to kind of look at what I've done and, and stuff and, and to to feel a real sense of pride in that because it was just... I was very tenacious in, in what I wanted, you know, to do, which was to sit on my ass and draw all day. And even though I don't like the actual process itself, um, I'm really proud of the work that I do. And if I don't sort of feel that sense of pride, then I don't feel like I've done my job properly, you know.
0: So are you professionally trained or is this just something you've done forever or both?
1: Both. Um, I... I went to TAFE. I did uh, advertising Ooh, and gra- <laughs> I know, I know. I didn't actually graduate. Um, but I did hey, advertising. Hey, Steve
0: Jobs was a university dropout.
1: Yeah, well, you know, <laughs> Will comes around to the studio and I'm like, see, I graduated, I've got my TAFE certificate there so I can draw pictures for you. You know, it just doesn't work that way. It's just like... And I never thought it was going to work that way. Like, I, I took what I needed from the course because it was advertising and graphic design. Yeah. Um, but I would just grab things from that and uh, use it in my illustration, like, you know, like how to use Photoshop um, or how to use colour, how to compose an image. You know, you've got an eye path that you work with. Rather than just learning how to draw properly, it's, it's learning how to put the image on a page in a way that's pleasing to the eye. Like, you know, you've got eye pass, so you might you might notice with some of my work, if it's a poster or something, it, it goes around in a path. Like, it doesn't sort of take you there and then take you another way and then take you another way. Like, yeah, it you doesn't sort of, you know, it's got a flow. It's got to have a nice flow to it. And you I've got always to sort thought of, of your work as
0: quite, uh, not cartoony, but like, yeah, animated insofar as you are moving through time... Mm. In the picture, you know, in a sense, you're, there's a clear progression. Yeah. Um, even if it's not necessarily linear, you know what happens before. Yeah, right. think.
1: Oh, cool. Well, I'm I'm sort of saying it from a practical sense of just sort of what you're looking at when you when you first see a picture. Mm. You know, and where your eye goes and where it's led to. Because if you you sort of look at a a poorly designed poster, you know, it might have chunks all over the place that kind of. And you don't realise it, but your eyes just don't want to look at it. You know, yeah. Your eyes couldn't be bothered reading it. Whereas if you sort of set the image up in a way, um, you can kind of make it a pleasant experience to, to kind of scan the poster and find out the details and, and that kind of thing. Uh,
0: there's a really good book um, by Stephen Fry called mm-hmm. The Ode Less Travelled. And it's his kind of plea for amateur poets, people to write poetry in the way that people play the guitar. This sense that we have that in order to be a poet, you need to think you're fucking awesome. Yep. And in in order to enjoy poetry, you need to feel like you're Wordsworth. And his argument is anyone can pick up a guitar and be shit at it, but everyone just enjoys it because you're allowed to enjoy that. And he wants Hmm. people to do the same with poetry. And then in a very entertaining way, it's basically just a textbook on structures of poetry and the effect yeah. and the impact and what things do to you, what the order of words does to you. And I think every poet, every comedian, everyone who writes should read something like that.
1: Yeah.
0: Because you can luck into technique if yeah. you're good at naturally absorbing those
1: lessons. Mm.
0: But it's nice to know what you're doing.
1: Yeah. It's good to take, take the advice, like what I found... You, you take certain advice and to know not to take other advice mm. like I remember like meeting one of my idols like this illustrator that had done The Phantom and had done Batman and, and stuff like that and I was a young kid um, <clears throat> but he you know he sat me down at, at, at a, in a pub and, and was just like you know who? what are your artists what do you you know who do you really like and, and stuff like that and I'd say i oh, like Know, this guy, Tim Bradstreet, he, does sort of, he uses photographic models and, and makes everything look really real, but for a comic book kind of cover setting. Um, and he said, all right, what you've got to do is you've got to just put a piece of tracing paper over the top and you've just got to draw his picture line for line and just draw, draw it exactly and then you'll find your style is, is looking like his. And that was the piece of advice that I didn't take because it was just sort of like, and he himself his style looks so much like another artist, like another famous artist, that I think it might be detrimental to his career. Yeah. Like, does. because all all he's going to be at the end of the day is a poor man's, you know, that, that artist, you know. Um, whereas I was just like, oh, I like this guy, I like this guy, you know. And if I can sort of have those styles in mind when I draw, then then a style will develop the style that develops is my own, it's style, your own style you know and people might be able to see influences from from other artists and stuff but they're not just they're not just seeing one artist or, or that kind of thing you know and you're creating something original um, and something that's your own
0: yeah yeah i think that's the way to be i think if i if i read or watch too much other stuff
1: mm-hmm.
0: i need it to I need to take in stuff and then I need to take a little break before I write my own stuff, otherwise yeah. I find myself in their rhythm. Yeah. Like, and that's not a good thing because that's, I've got yeah. my own rhythm. Yeah. It's not like anyone else's. Mm. I don't want it to be like anyone
1: else's. Yeah. <laughs> so it's, you know, it's, it's finding that style, but also part of that style is what you put into the actual picture, like what the picture is not how you draw it, you know, like, I think that I could draw just a person on a poster just, you know, looking straight ahead, and that would still look pretty cool, but if it doesn't have a, a awesome idea behind it, I just don't think it's worth it, because that just looks like a portrait to me, and that just pulls the shit out of me, yeah, like, okay. I just, I think that there it's, has to be... So it's not
0: just, uh, to make an analogy, it's not just the joke style, but it's your topics, your themes, your, yeah. your particular, what you like... Yeah, to say as well as how you like to say it.
1: Exactly, like it's it's got to be, um, you know, like I I know that the technique and the and the style, you know, of illustration is there, but mm-hmm. I think the idea of what the picture's going to be is is much more important. Like, and it, and it can be more important because I've got I've learned how to draw in that way, and I don't have to worry about that.
0: That's a very comic book artist kind of thing. That the picture serves the story. Mm. It's not. I mean, the artwork itself is the flavour, mm. but the purpose is to get something across.
1: Yeah, it's a yeah, it's a, it's a strange thing. Like I've done a few comic books and stuff, and I get very frustrated. Like working with with writers occasionally and stuff. It, it and I'm such a pain in the ass about it too. Like I know that I am. Like I I'd, I'd sit there and go because I would see something. I could tell that it was written in a day or something and it's just like fucker, I'm gonna spend like a month on this. Go back, do it again, and make sure it's better. Like, because the amount of time that I'm dedicating to it and how good I'm gonna make it look. Yeah. Like I won't serve a bad king. I know. And you've gotta you've gotta sort of put a certain amount of effort into it. So yeah, I can be a, a real sort of pain in the ass to work with in that regard and I think that
0: it's what you want?
1: Yeah, but then, you know, I wrote a comic for myself for um, for DC Comics, like in wow. two thousand seven, I think it was. Like I wrote a comic called Deadly, and it was for their web comics imprint. I've, I've
0: read... read that.
1: You've read Deadly?
0: Yeah. Really? I got um I got a like a an app to read comics when I was in America. Really? Uh, yeah. And... Did you read
1: all the? Th- like the sixty pages, or
0: I don't know. I just remember reading, and the and now yeah. Now I'm thinking about your artwork. So it makes sense. <laughs> well, oh, that's was... such a weird. Oh, I just had two puzzle pieces click together. Yeah, in I, I had
1: Charlie Clawson say the same thing. Like, <laughs> holy shit. <laughs> yeah, he because I did a sort of a version of it before that because I basically, um, workshopped it with a group of uh, Indigenous kids like that weren't going to like. I think it was part of a program to get them back into school and stuff because they're all from rough families and, and stuff like that. So we'd take them into a classroom every Wednesday for a, for a school term and, and just talk comics and, and stuff. And, you know, I'd do things like talk about what kind of films they liked and all that kind of stuff. And, and I came, came back and I'm like, guys, you're 14 and you're loving these R-rated ultra-violent like, movies. And I was just like, well, what... 'Cause the end goal was to, to create a comic out of it. Yeah. And I was like, well what kind of comic are these kids gonna like? And it's it's just gonna be an ultra violent gore fest basically. Which I didn't mind. Like, um, but I you know, to me I don't know if it's that obvious, but I was using certain characters, like certain evil characters in it as metaphors for sort of drugs and and stuff like that like it wasn't like this is heroin or this is yeah yeah
0: yeah
1: but it was just that not
0: captain planet level
1: subtle that sense of addiction (laughs) and mind control yeah it wasn't there was i think it might have been a bit too subtle for the age that i was aiming at like um but i loved it like you know and i and i basically put it into this competition that dc were running like the first five pages of it and uh And it was in competition where, you know, the winner at the end of the month wins a contract and it won so I got like a year long contract which felt good at the time (laughs) but when you're spending a week on a page, you know, from seven till seven or or whatever and at the end of the day you're getting two (laughs) hundred and fifty dollars a week. it doesn't work out to be that great, but it was very satisfying, you know as far as my career goes and... It's and, um, good
0: on your resume. ...getting
1: something up. But my, my point was, you know, talking about being such an arsehole to work with, um, I was writing the comic and I didn't have the patience to go back and rewrite much. Like, you know, I redrew the whole comic and I rewrote it, like, extended it from a 20-page comic to a 60-page comic. Um, but I, I don't reckon I went past the first draft with the script. Ah. Like... And I thought having editors and stuff would kind of assist me in that. But they were just like putting apostrophes in and full stops and and stuff like that. Whereas I and I and I look back at it now and I just think, oh those first twenty pages are really clunky, like and really they make me cringe a little. Yeah. But then by the end I'm sort of You
0: got your rhythm, you got yeah, your and Yeah, and I
1: kind of paste it like that clap as the bowler goes into the cricket, like it gets faster and yeah, faster and yeah. faster. And then by the end you're just like holy shit. I Everything's want to get the next happening, bit. and then it stopped. <laughs> like, and because the the DC arm of uh, it was Zuda, what it was called. Um, they basically had to shut down because uh, DC was changing the way it was doing comics at the time, and and so this whole imprint shut down of all these sort of creator-owned comics, and some were some are really cool, some were really shit. But um, I like to think mine was on the upper sort of scale of it. Yeah. Do you
0: follow many internet comics? We Should wrap up soon, but. Do you... Are there artists that you follow on the internet
1: who... I don't really like to to follow artists on the internet. Like, I do follow some, but some I've found that I follow and then end up not liking as much because as of it. people? Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, I think Frank Miller's a great example of that. Like, I really enjoyed his work in the past, but then he now you, know what you give him a voice is, and yeah. it's just like, holy shit, like, you're an asshole. Yeah. And, yeah, so you don't... So I, I kind of, yeah, I like to I like to kind of just avoid the actual people themselves and... So
0: you can still watch... Just
1: focus on their work.
0: Woody Allen films?
1: I, I can't. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I don't know if I was that into them. Before, like, uh, yeah, I'm. I don't know if I've got a style of film that I like, um, but it's not Woody Allen, I don't think. I like, like
0: dumb action films. Yeah,
1: I, I really enjoy those as well, but, um, you know, I think uh, films, I love a gritty Australian kind of thing. Like The Proposition, have you seen that written by Nick Cave? Uh, no, I haven't. Oh, it's one of my favourites. It's just gritty, like, it's like a Western set in you know early Austral- early australia and it's um it's just so well done and poetic and violent and brutal like and that was the kind of thing i was looking at when i was putting deadly together was this sort of you know that was set in the past but i wanted to do something in the future you was know, sort of so good yeah. seriously
0: is is that still available online
1: yeah. Yeah. Look I it think, up
0: because it's amazing.
1: If you type in "Deadly James Foster," you'll probably find it. I think it's it might be on the DC site or it might be in Comicsology. It's
0: just incredibly good. Australian comic. Without being like the 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 Australianness of it isn't a novelty.
1: No. And, and, I, I, find didn't, and that I didn't mean, want the indigenous stuff to be a novelty either. Like it it was hard for me to... Well, it
0: makes sense in the world that you've created that yeah. these are the ones who survive, right? This
1: yeah. is... And it, and it was something that I wrote, um, you know, that I had the ideas with, um, you know, uh, Kevin Cropinieri. Do you know oh, him? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's a he very it. nice man. Yeah, he did it with it. He's nice-nice. Nice-nice. Like... <laughs> <Yeah>. Oh, yes. <yeah. laughs> a lovely human. is. He is. Um, he he is. Um, but, yeah, he was he was doing the course with me, like, with these kids and stuff. And, and so it was written in that environment. But then I'm the white guy going off and writing this story. And it kind of felt weird, like, but then... Colonialist. No one was doing it. Yeah. Like, there was no one doing anything like it. And I wanted to do something like that. And it, oh, it sounds so fucking wanky, but it was like, I wanted an Aboriginal background. Uh, Batman or, or something like that, that that they could go, oh, this is from my people or this is like... It's
0: me. I can yeah. see myself.
1: Yeah. May- way more than they can see Superman or Batman or something like that, you know?
0: Well, yeah. I mean, this is something that's happening more and more and it's a good thing, which is mm. that there are... Well, even when I started comedy, which is not so long ago, mm-hmm. there were only a few ways that people understood for women to be funny.
1: Yeah.
0: And if you didn't fit those... Roles. People were confused and upset by you. <laughs> they almost resented you making them laugh. Ugh. And now you have just the proliferation of, of the more the more there are, the more different ways there are mm-hmm. for you to be funny, and the more likely it is that someone will accept a new way as a yeah. viable way.
1: Absolutely.
0: Of being funny. It's it's just or being whatever. Oh, I it makes you me are.
1: shiver like. I just had a, a friend that I went to school with and they saw Kitty Flanagan or something and she just said, oh, she's my favourite female comedian. And it's just like, why do you have to put female there? Like, why can't she just be your favourite, like one your of your favourite com-
0: comedians? Of course she got five stars, didn't she? She's <laughs>
1: amazing. <laughs> yeah, but the fact that, I don't know. It's yeah,
0: just... no, I, I was having this conversation with the tongue who's a, a rapper, who does quote-unquote Aussie hip-hop. Yeah. And I, I said that to him, unfortunately, because my friend D.A. Carter, who I do the radio with, was always like, this is my Aussie hip-hop section. Yeah, and, yeah. and he loves the tongue and introduced me to him. Yeah. Uh, and uh, he was like, fucking... No, I'm a political rapper, mm-hmm. hip-hop artist. Yeah. The fact that I'm Australian doesn't... It's like saying... Yeah, again, it's like saying I'm a male rapper. Like, it's mm. not the relevant factor
1: no have you said uh, do you listen to the sweetest plum at all <laughs> <laughs> the hip hop oh, yeah drinky thumpy is talking to me <laughs> I love that I love it's that great. so much great. yeah
0: okay on that note um,
1: yeah on some other podcast note on some other
0: podcast note, <laughs> <laughs> note plugging plugging the sweetest plum Yeah. Yeah. we've plugged what the sweetest plum the dollop yep will Justin. in yep. green guide letters yep deadly
1: deadly yeah.
0: That's about it just yeah. Dave Anthony generally. Um yeah. email me Alicerfraser at gmail dot com. Look up James Fosdike on Twitter. Mm-hmm. Do you have a website?
1: Uh yes, it's visualanti.com. visualante is spelled like visual and then a-m-t-e dot com dot AU. Like up the ante. Yes, no. yes. Not anti visual. Which yes. was you know, the guy I started it with, um I started with another artist called John Englehart and he does all the hilltop woods art. Uh huh. And he came up with the name Vigilante, but he spelled it with an I. And oh. my contribution was to spell it with an E and then take the whole business. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it didn't work like that exactly, but that's Oh, the I, get I get it that it it's
0: a pun on Vigilante.
1: Yeah, yeah. Lovely. So it's fighting out crime. Yeah. Oh,
0: that's you know. good. Look that up online. Look that up I was, deadly.
1: Yeah, when I was younger that sounded cooler. And now I just feel like it just needs to be you <laughs> because I don't feel like I need to have I'm alicecomedyfraser.com
0: and I wish I were not.
1: (laughs) It's like Rob Comedy Boy on. uh, Yeah, yeah. I I,
0: I don't want to be, but uh, someone else has Alice Fraser and I will find her and kill her. (laughs) All right, you're having tea with Alice. Thank you so much.
1: Thank you. Perfect.